0: Breaking news, top story right now, Joy Behar Foles. We got a fake apology for insulting millions of Christians. We're gonna show you in a moment here.
1: One man, the hair, one woman, the tortoise.
0: Battling the forces of evil.
1: Talking them lab from the studio, the human mini's taking naps in the other room. Hurry, hurry, cause they wake up soon. The show's over if they happen to. A scribe empty clad.
2: Welcome! We are glad you've joined us this morning, afternoon, or night, whenever you're listening. Appreciate it so much. And go to our website, ascribeanddeclared.com. You can see show notes, get all the links to these videos, and read the full articles of the stuff we talk about. Also, you can show us your support By sharing the links to our podcasts, because that's the only way people are going to find out. We don't really do advertising. Uh, We don't take, you know, advertising dollars or anything like that. We just ask that you share it and tell people about it if they need it, especially like, you know, last week we talked about addiction and especially if, you know, somebody that struggles with that sort of thing or somebody that might benefit from listening to it as a helper. Yeah. So ascribeanddeclare.com. And Miranda, how are you doing today?
3: I'm doing good. I had a good day home with the kids, like usual. Nice. But yeah, so we have our three-year-old. Her birthday's coming up on Sunday. Okay. And she tells every single person that she comes in contact with that it's her birthday and we're going to a water park. And
2: she shows me the day on the calendar on our door a hundred times a day. Dad, look at what day. And then she's like, close your eyes. (laughs) I'm like, okay. And then she points to the calendar. Okay, open your eyes. This is the day. Okay. (laughs) Like, I didn't know that from yesterday. Thank you for telling me.
3: Well, and I love that it's a water park when we're going to a community center. But hey, there's a pool and there'll be a slide into her. It will yeah. be. But so she's super set. I've had a few people now tell me that she has informed them that what she wants for her birthday. And it's the same every time is she wants to get a Siberian cat, which is a kind of cat that's kind of been a big deal around here. We kind of want one. She says, and I'm going to get a Siberian cat for my birthday and it's going to be a surprise to my dad and he's not going to know about it. <laughs> And so finally today, I thought, you know what? This sounds like she really has this in her head. This is going to happen because yeah. she relayed the story of exactly how it was going oh, to happen to my friend who was here today. So I thought, oh, this could be bad. I don't want the birthday day to be disappointing. Yeah. So I said, okay, Everly, do you know we're not really getting a cat for your birthday? And she just <laughs> kind of looked at me confused. And I said, no, I said, we can't right now. We're just not getting a cat. You know we can't get a cat right now and she looked up from playing goes no i know not right now we're getting one for my birthday <laughs> and i said no hon but listen understand i said we're no we're not getting one we're not getting you Aww. one we're not getting one for your birthday and then she looks at me dead straight and just like as if i was crazy and yeah. she goes what why are you even asking me this <laughs> Why are you talking to me about this? Of course, I know it's not for my birthday.
1: I.
2: <laughs> oh, What a weirdo. I know. It was just really funny. I I hope she doesn't really have her heart set on uh, it because I'm going to be so sad if she does.
3: I know, but it feels like a story she knows she's just been telling herself, but she's like borderline starting to believe it. Well, like the
2: first person that she invited to her birthday was a lady from our small group.
3: Yes, not her kids, (laughs) just her.
2: Uh, Oh, Middle-aged woman. You are coming to my birthday. Yes. (laughs) She is
3: so funny. She
2: is cute. Best
3: friends with everyone immediately.
2: I wanted to make a comment. Um, This is an announcement. This is a public service announcement because I was driving. I do a lot of driving. And I saw, whoa, I saw an ambulance coming at me on the other side of the road with its lights and sirens going. And I'm driving and everybody in my lane kind of pulls off to the side. But some people that were walking on the shoulder of the road on the ambulance side didn't even move. They just kind of like crowded. Now, you clearly hear an ambulance coming when you're out there walking on the street and the lights and sirens are coming behind you. They didn't even make motions to move to the right, to their right at all. And just let the ambulance like swerve around them.
1: I was yikes.
2: Yeah, I thought, why did? And they were they weren't even facing the ambulance even either, either, so they were just trusting that it was going to drive around them. And I just thought how stupid that is. But I I was going to give a public service announcement that when you're moving over for an ambulance, even if you're in another lane or you're out of their way or a police car or whatever, it's not so much about getting out of their way because that driver is trained to drive around you and they're, they're going to be fine. It's more about you acknowledging that you hear them and see them. And that by you even making a little dip or a, a little motion over to the side, then they, they don't have to worry. Like they don't have to sure. think that you're going to jut to their left or right, or they don't wonder because they see you breaking to the side, you know? So even if you don't move all the way out of their way, they, they'll go around you, but they know you're in that direction. Right. Yeah, that yeah, makes and sense. Yeah. So it just drove me nuts. I was like, come on, people. It's not all about you. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs>
3: and <laughs> you know from experience. Yeah. Because you've driven. There was actually. There yeah, I was used to some, drive
2: ambulance. It was great.
3: There were some kids playing in the nursery and they had a little ambulance. And I was like, oh, yeah, Mr. Matt used to drive an ambulance. And it just was like, wow, that feels like a whole nother life. Yeah, it does. It seemed it was like a long time a year ago.
2: ago. Not even a year ago. Pretty yeah. Much a year ago. Right
3: around a year ago. Yep.
2: Yep crazy anyway, times that's my public service announcement
3: <laughs> okay good well my announcement is we missed national kidney day not national world what world kidney day world kidney it. day yes we needed was, to celebrate i know right because we well we still have all of march to oh, celebrate good. So because march is national kidney month but world kidney day was march 8th wow. it's it's the third thursday nope sorry It's the second Thursday of March.
2: Wow. I'm so glad you brought that to our attention.
3: I know. But, you know, it does matter a little bit to us. Yeah. Because we've got our little Luella, our special little kid with one kidney.
2: Our special little kid with one kidney.
3: She has her own song in this house. But, yeah, I just thought that was interesting to hear and thought, man, I never would have paid attention to that. But having gone through it and had a Mm -hmm. kid who's had her kidney removed that yeah you pay attention to those things and you yeah. are now much more aware of kidneys and what they do and
2: and we might be celebrating national kidney day or world kidney day someday <laughs> someday you know? right? maybe that'll be a part of our life
3: yeah i guess <laughs> i don't know so sometimes i forget but then you see her she's got a little scar on her back that reminds you yeah you had surgery at seven months old and yeah that's crazy so-
2: and you could have died yeah. And, and you didn't. And, and that's, that's crazy. Awesome. And then it's
3: amazing how you can live with one kidney.
2: Mm-hmm. And we take so, it for granted.
3: Yeah. And I was thinking too, it's kind of crazy. So I pulled up statistics and kidney disease is the ninth leading cause of death in the country. Wow. The crazy thing is, is that there are over 95,000 people waiting for kidney transplants. And we all are walking around with two of them. And I yeah. just thought, man, Like, do we just hang on to it in case somebody close Mm. to us needs it? Or, you know?
2: That is something to think about. That
3: just, yeah, I thought that was crazy. I've never
2: really thought about just voluntarily donating one of my kidneys to someone
3: yeah and i've heard of like there's kind of side websites where because the hospitals can look for a match for you
2: are you talking about the black market
3: no <laughs> not we could actually get a lot of money for these <laughs> no <things. laughs> but there's these like side websites because the hospital can't always find you matches or you're not right in the line mm. but if you have a match then you can have the transplant and the surgery from what i understood so there's these websites of family and friends of people who need a transplant where they might not be a match. Say my sister needs a kidney. I might not be a match. But I might find somebody else who is a match. And they also need someone. And then someone from my family is a match. And it's like we swap kidneys.
0: Which Weird. is
3: really crazy. But kind of cool that, you know, it's like the Craigslist for kidneys, yeah. I guess. <laughs> so, yeah, that's just just crazy. Modern technology today.
2: Uh-huh. Well, I have an article here. Uh, it's on the Vatican and uh catholic church but it was interesting to me and you know sometimes they say good things and okay it's about gender theory and you know when you get so confused and who would have ever thought we would have to write papers or uh you know define in our church statements that we believe that there's two genders
3: it's you know what i
2: mean like Mm -hmm. who could have ever imagined that i could have never thought of that you know I just, you know, Bible created us male and female and we see men and we see women walking around and yeah, there's some anomalies that uh, happen um, just like, you know, if you're born without an arm, we don't say, oh man, there's three types of people in the world, you know, one with one arm, one with another arm, you know, we just talk like we have arms, you know, there's a general way. Yeah. But anyway, they want to, I think they're going to be defining how they see uh gender because you know the teaching of gender theory and this is a quote envisages i don't i don't like that word but that's what they used envisages a society without sexual differences thereby eliminating the anthropological basis for the family i mean that's that's what they're trying to do you know there's not men and not women and You know, because if there is, then there's roles and there's family and, you know, they want all that to be gone. So the Catholic Church is going to come up with a letter. This is what we believe on it. And then they're going to publish it. And I'll hopefully, you know, bring that when it comes. And that's fascinating to me.
3: Yeah, that will be interesting to see what they have to say.
2: Yeah, well, I was just talking with my pastor today about gender. And I was saying that I actually am starting to get confused when I see an ad that is directly advertising to women or men or some specific gender, because the whole world and the news and all these protests and everything, there's no genders. There's like, well, there's like 32 or 36 genders or something now. (laughs) I mean, it's insane. You could, you know that. Yeah. What? I don't even know what that means. Like, honestly, I've tried to look it up and I've tried to follow it and I cannot. I'm just so confused. Like, OK, I'm looking at some males and females.
3: Well, maybe we all need to start wearing the Levi Wokes. What's that? <laughs> this SNL pants that they're sizeless, style neutral, <laughs> gender nonconforming.
2: That's exactly. Yeah.
3: See? And we can all wear those. Okay. No, there's a YouTube video Uh that you can watch the sketch. It's pretty great.
2: Okay. Well, let's look it up.
0: All lines are busy. Please hold.
2: Okay. I found it. Ready? We won't do the whole thing, but we'll do the the essence of it. But you gotta go look it up. It's it's good. Levi's wokes. You know, because you gotta be woke, right? So Mm -hmm. your jeans gotta be woke.
1: I I am not a child. I'm me.
0: I'm unique. I'm woke. Woke. Woke.
1: I'm woke.
3: So why aren't my jeans now? They are.
0: Introducing Levi Woke's a sizeless, style neutral, gender non conforming denim for a generation that defies labels. Levi's heard that if you're not woke, it's bad.
2: So- there you go. It's
3: You got to get the visual, though. Yeah, you, really you have to
2: watch it because the, the jeans themselves are absolutely beautiful. They're just stunning. <laughs> completely style neutral. Yes.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> They're good. Oh. And the disclaimer,
3: we don't recommend everything Saturday Night Live. Yeah, of course. Somebody had said something about this specific clip, so I looked it up and it's really funny.
2: Did you know you heard Toys R Us is closing? No. You didn't? didn't no. Yeah. So people are pretty sad about it.
3: Why? Why are they closing? Just because Amazon's taking over?
2: Well, yeah. Have you ever been in one? It's like... I
3: don't this, know. Not m- for a long time.
2: Yeah. Absolutely Massive. And you're looking around and there's like four people in there. Yeah, there's like the a sweep. guy walking by sweeping the floor. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty bad. A mouse runs by, you're like, oh That's,
3: Miranda, very Miranda. expensive. <laughs>
2: yeah. It's just one of those big box stores. And so, okay, right, they're closing. But does that matter to you?
3: Mm, in a little bit. <laughs> okay, how? Because we actually, when our girls get to be a certain age, we buy them like Not American Girl dolls, and they actually come from Toys R Us. (laughs) Shoot, (laughs) we've got two more girls
2: we're going to have to find somewhere else to get their dolls from. I thought we got those dolls from Walmart
3: or something. No, I guess Target has a brand, too, that we could do. Target has a brand, okay. We'll survive, but they don't have the really fancy holiday ones.
2: Okay, but it's nothing you would cry over, right? No, no, no. no. Okay, well, I was listening to the radio today because I was driving, Mm -hmm. and I was listening to my positive, encouraging radio station.
3: Okay, good.
2: And this is how I found this out about Toys R Us, because the female middle-aged woman DJ, right? Because right. that's, who,
3: that's who's
2: usually yeah. the DJ of a positive, encouraging radio station, was actually tearing up oh. and kept sobbing and saying, I just can't believe it. And, you know, this is horrible. And this is I can't you know, this is part of my history. And oh, what? Wow. Like okay talk about ultimate consumerism
3: that's crazy yeah
2: it was just sickening like this is a store that's taken thousands of dollars from you who cares if it closes down anyway this guy wrote this song and it's pretty clever and it's uh the toys r us closing in a minor key all right and it's pretty good. I like it. But this girl, she was playing this on the radio and she was literally crying.
3: Oh, yikes.
2: Yeah.
1: I don't want to grow up. I'm a toys are There's a million toys at Toys R Us that I could play with
3: So her biggest fear in life was probably to grow up and not be a Toys R Us yeah, kid. Yeah. She,
2: now she can't be one. And now it's, they're Yeah, now her the kids can't be for- Toys R Us kids. Like Completely the- taken over by corporate advertising and designed Aww. to suck you in and sell you useless products. That's crazy. Talk about being the ultimate sucker. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I'm sorry if you're crying right now. <laughs>
3: okay Man. moving on I liked the mr potato head next to the candles that was a nice touch
2: yeah yeah you got to watch the video this stuff's obviously on our website under the show notes got anything else Miranda? otherwise i got another random clip. no not until okay. later well it's not a clip it's uh very interesting you know my dad has always followed a lot of the christian science kind of things you know uh creationism versus evolution and stuff like that so i grew up hearing a lot about it and There's surprisingly a vast amount of evidence for the flood for you know, creationism and stuff like that. And I think, you know, a lot of people hide it. They try to suppress it. Scientists and stuff like that. You know, just watch like Ben Stein. You know, what was that movie?
3: Mm, What was that movie called?
2: What was the movie called?
3: Something.
2: Education. Something
3: like that. (laughs) <laughs> what
2: was it? It's just called education. <laughs> no.
3: <laughs> flunked or something. It has yeah, something to do with Flunked,
2: debunked, Ben Stein. Okay, anyway. You guys, everyone in the audience knows they're trying to yell it out. Trying to say <laughs> Yeah, they're yelling it out in their car. Um, anyway, that movie. Just there's just lots of evidence. Well, so, I even
3: remember but, one of our teammates in Africa said that she went and visited the creation museum. And she was like, Why did nobody teach me this? Because it yeah. was something she seriously struggled with because her only exposure to any of the science was taught in public school. Mm-hmm. And so she was really disillusioned, but then
2: yeah. encouraged. And a lot of that stuff isn't even true. Like they say certain things and it's just, uh, well, you theories know, taught as yeah, fact. And then, yeah, theories taught as fact. And then years later, you know. Some bone that they found that they attribute to some Neanderthal turns out to be the jawbone of a pig or, you know, then the book just doesn't change. stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, here's another article uh, probably be hidden, um, but it was scientists that were looking for carbon dioxide in the center of the earth or wherever they were looking in the deep places of the crevices of the earth. And they ended up finding water. And they they were shocked because this goes completely against all of their theories. Hmm. And it says, it's kind of funny because uh, it says that they were looking for the culprit of global climate change. And they didn't find any. The scientist says he's still looking for it. It's like, all right, yeah, we'll keep looking for it. <laughs> we'll see what you come up with. In the meantime, every time they find evidence, it corroborates the Bible story, which is kind of funny.
3: So they found water in the earth
2: inside the earth because the bible says that waters Waters rose yeah Mm -hmm. that the earth broke open and then there was this big flood which if there's
3: a bunch of lava that would be just like yeah burned up into steam
2: that would be bad
3: which do you know they don't really know what's in the center of the earth yeah i thought that was crazy i thought they just knew and that's what we were taught but like real science not even like creation people they're just like yeah, yeah. They're, they haven't they're just even
2: dug down a certain di- distance yeah. yeah i thought
3: that was crazy i didn't know that they didn't actually know
2: yeah did you know that those cartoons where somebody digs straight down and ends up in china is false too
3: <laughs> yeah i kind of realized
1: that wasn't true <laughs> oh, anyway wow, I, I know you <laughs> am I insulted
3: i don't know <laughs> oh man yes um, i did know that's
2: Good. So you, you wanted to talk about something. And we originally, we you know, this Joy Behar thing that happened with making fun of Pence. I didn't even want to give her the time of day. I didn't even want to, you know, address it because I didn't care. I think, you know, there's a thousand atheists right now blasting Christianity on YouTube this very moment. And there's all these shows, you know, Bill Maher and other shows that just blast Christianity on a daily basis. So it didn't affect me one bit that she said, you know, talking to God or having Him talk back is like mental illness. It just—I
3: think what bugged us was that it showed the double standard that tolerance—they're yeah. going to scream tolerance all day until mm-hmm. it comes to Christianity. Yeah, I think that's so. Really I didn't
0: what
2: really down. care, and I wasn't going to do anything about it until what Pence?
3: Yeah, Pence responded. It. To yeah, he her. responded
2: to it, and that was good. And so I wanted to highlight that part of it. And now it's taken another slight turn. So we want to use this to show how Christians give glory to God Mm -hmm. and how they don't give glory Mm -hmm. to God.
3: Yeah. Well, it, it was just really interesting because if you've seen the news, she did apologize. And people, I mean, Christians, ever since that happened, they have been contacting the network. They have been contacting the supporters of the network and boycotting and writing letters and all of this stuff to try to get you know them to take this seriously yeah, and to thousands say thousands
2: and thousands of people
3: yeah to say this is wrong and I just thought it was neat that okay no we're not pretending like we are assuming there was really like true repentance no you know that's between her and God we don't really know that, but I think she realized that because That it was wrong because of how many people it affected and the outcry from it. But also, I think that, you know, it seems like she kind of was like, yeah, that was a dumb thing to say. And Mm -hmm. I'm sorry that I said that. Like, yeah, I I think you could
2: see it on her face. Yeah, I think so. Well, let's play the clip and then we'll talk about it. Sure.
3: Last night, the vice president was on Sean Hannity talking about the recent conversation he had with Joy Behar. Take a
0: look. You and I know the criticism comes with public life. But I felt it was important that I defend the faith of tens of millions of Americans against I think against that kind of slander, and and I did so. And you know I give Joy Behar a lot of credit. She picked up the phone. She called me. She was very sincere, and she apologized. And one of the things my faith. Teaches me is grace. Forgive as you've been forgiven. So, so so does mine, but I'm not as good at it as you. Well, um, look, but I, but I said, but I, I said to Joy, of course I forgive you. That's that's um, part of part of my faith experience. But I did encourage her, and I'm still encouraging her to use the forum of that program or some other public forum to apologize to tens of millions of Americans who were who were equally offended.
1: So, yeah, so I think Vice President Pence is right. Um,
3: I was raised to respect everyone's religious faith, and I fell short of that. I sincerely apologize for what I said. Okay. There you go. So, yeah.
2: So whether she is or not, it doesn't matter.
3: Yeah, it's—everybody was crying out for her to apologize, and she did. Mm -hmm. And, like, we were talking before, you know, some people are saying, why did she do this now, or— you know, oh, it took so long. But I mean, when you say something stupid and when you put your foot in your mouth and then you have all of the nation to point that out, like Mm -hmm. that's gotta be really humiliating and humbling. And I'm sure that she just wished it was gonna go away. Yeah,
2: she doesn't know that this outcry is gonna come on. She's not gonna just sit there apologizing for every stupid thing she says every week.
3: Yeah, and so, yeah, I just think it was probably pretty humbling to be like, yep, I did say that and I screwed up and I'm sorry about that, you know, Mm -hmm. so...
2: So it leads us to wonder how should Christians react?
3: Well because yeah it's been interesting to see how unchrist like I think Christians have responded to her apology.
2: Yeah, to her apology. Mhm. It's like yeah, they first they kind of responded unchrist like at the statement in like kind this way kind of like it. yeah, throwing a fit A mob, creating a mob Mm -hmm. against a worldview that doesn't believe in our worldview. That's-
3: Well, and that's what's crazy. It doesn't make any sense. Is why I just, I get so frustrated with Christians who are expecting unbelievers to act like Christians. Yeah. They're not going to, don't expect them to. I remember one of our uh, speakers from Bible school would always say, sinners are going to sin. Like, don't expect them to do anything different. So that's just silly to, Yeah.
2: Yeah. So we got one guy's response, Gary Francky, or Frankie or Frankie or whatever. (laughs) I don't know how to say his name. I don't know. And he says, I looked him up, I looked up his website or whatever, and he says, I'm a Christian. Mm -hmm. So can we determine if he is or not? I don't know. We're not going to judge his heart. But is this a Christian response?
0: So I'm going to ask you, you saw the apology. Do you think that she was sorry? Or she sorry that so many Christians were intolerant of her hatred for trumpet pence should she fee- should she be forgiven? I don't know. I think that uh, the Lord has forgiven her. Society Christians I don't know I'm just, I'm just I'm so disgusted by the vitriol and hatred that comes out of her mouth out of that program I still think that she needs to be removed immediately.:
2: Wow, that sounds like love
3: <laughs> right yeah.
2: yep that sounds like Christ. Christ would say those exact words,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and he's on a show. I mean, you're you're presenting yourself to the public. Yeah, you are representing Christ. You're representing the body of Christ, Christianity. And how can you say stuff like that? Oh, I don't know if I can forgive her because I don't feel like her her apology is sincere. Yeah. So is that the criteria for for forgiving somebody?
3: Right. What verse does it say? Forgive once they've proven their sincerity of yeah. heart, like. That That's just crazy. isn't in the Bible. And he's just saying, right in that thing, what we were just talking about, he's expecting her to be acting like a Christian. Yeah. And then he's disgusted by it and doesn't want to forgive her based on those criteria.
2: Yeah. Anyway. But what's really good is uh you had that you showed shared that clip with me from Piper on forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And you can see it's interesting because Piper talks about a couple different things about forgiveness, and he talks about some categories. So he defines normal forgiveness, which would be a Christian and a Christian saying, I've wronged you. Please forgive me. So that person is repentant. They're sorry. They're contrite before God and for the person. And that other person forgives them, you know, puts it in the past, gives them a big hug, (laughs) says, "Okay, you're forgiven. Let's move on in Christ together. That's.
3: That's the ideal goal.
2: Forgiveness. But then he gives two other views of forgiveness that are in the Bible that are not the normal, but are very amazing principles that we need to pay attention to. So here's his two versions of forgiveness that are outside the normal.
0: There are two other, at least two other categories, biblical categories that need to be stirred in here besides Forgiveness. One is, uh, I'll call it enemy love. Uh, And when I say enemy love, I'm not just thinking about a declared enemy, you know, I've got this awful enemy, but rather people like spouses or sons or daughters or dads in this case, who in the moment are acting like an adversary i mean they are hurting you the way an enemy would hurt you they're not your enemies in in that sense in the big sense but rather they are in that moment acting uh with with enmity toward you so the bible doesn't just talk about forgiveness there it talks about enemy love jesus said love your enemies pray for those who persecute you and peter picked it up in chapter three verse nine first peter do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. So here we're told uh, how to relate to a person who's not repenting, not recognizing any wrong being done, or maybe they are and they're glad they're doing it, uh, and the answer is don't return evil for evil, rather bless them. So it's not an issue of the fullest kind of forgiveness. You could call it maybe one-sided forgiveness. The the Christian is choosing not to be the punisher, but treating the other person better than they deserve, in in a sense, as if they hadn't been hurt. Now, the second category, uh, besides enemy love and forgiveness, is forbearance. Or endurance, Colossians three twelve. Put on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. Or the old King James forbearing one another, or enduring. And Paul says in what First Corinthians thirteen seven, I think, love bears all things, believes all things, and hopes all things, endures all things. So love doesn't just forgive when another person repents and and doesn't just bless uh, when we're hurt, but it, it bears with, it endures, it forbears. And both Peter and James call that a covering of a multitude of sins. Love covers a, a multitude of sins, it just covers them and, and endures them. They don't go away. You're just enduring them and, and you're covering them.
2: Okay. So that whole clip The whole podcast is like 10 minutes. Yeah. And it was impossible to clip because everything he says is so good.
3: Yeah. He's, I mean, that man has a gift and it's kind of like when you highlight the Bible, it's like (laughs) if you're highlighting something, then you're saying that the other stuff wasn't worth highlighting. And I feel like when you clip Piper, you're saying that the other stuff wasn't worth clipping when it was. I mean.
2: I mean, what's the point of listening to any other podcast really? Just listen to ask john and you're good to go yeah. <laughs> like you don't need other podcasts
3: so just really listen to
2: piper sermons
3: go back and listen to his whole thing because it's
2: yes and such it's on our website point. we have a couple more clips of it but it is super good
3: well and i just think that it shows the goodness and grace of god how he talks about love covering a multitude of sins i mean if we don't realize and recognize that in our own life then we don't have any idea of how many sins we have yeah. the multitude of sins we have in our own life
2: we have to be humble and then like this guy he's freaking out over her apology he should have been loving her and not even necessarily demanding an apology yeah from just, the beginning pence yeah. would have never done anything he would have just been like oh okay i guess she said that you know i'm used to it but since there's such an out outcry he has to defend them
3: yeah, and, for the yeah. sake of the people of the country.
2: But I just love what Piper's doing here. He's identifying other things that play into forgiveness, repentance, and our attitudes. Um, because I think people get so stuck on one rule. Okay, we have to forgive. Okay, now what is forgiveness defined in the Bible? Give me three verses, you know? So then they take those exact verses
1: mm-hmm. and they
2: say, okay, Let's see, they didn't forgive. Okay, so this is what we do. No, there's a million principles at play here. First of all, we love people better than ourselves. So that's where we're starting from. Yeah. When's the last time you loved somebody better than yourself, right? Yeah. That's difficult, but that's the place we start from. Then we can start talking about forgiveness. We can start talking about them wronging us. But first of all, we have to talk about Are they really wronging us when, again, they don't even live in our world? They don't see the same things. They're blinded. They have a veil over their eyes, Mm -hmm. you know?
3: And I like in the beginning of the podcast, he talks about how this is even relevant in marriages or with parenting or friends and coworkers when somebody sins against you and doesn't feel like they've done anything wrong, that they need to apologize. But in doing that, they become like an enemy to you. Yeah, and that that applies with this too, which I think is really.
2: They are at enmity with you. They yes. might not necessarily, you know, hate you,
1: mm-hmm.
2: but yeah, they're at enmity with you. So his main point is that he's trying to say, so what prevents us from forgiving?
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
2: um, because we want vindication. We want. Yeah, we vengeance. want justice. We Yeah, we want justice. Yeah. Quote unquote. And. You know, he's saying that's God's business, not our business. Our business is to love them. Mm -hmm. And this guy that was, you know, we're just using him as an example. Yeah. but
3: But I have seen just even in looking up the information about Joy apologizing, a lot of the Christian response was, oh, yeah, she just, you know, had this fake apology and it keeps being called a fake apology. Yeah. And that's just not really for us to decide.
2: No. It's not. And
3: even just she, the demeanor to have towards her. Yeah. because She
2: could have put out a press release or something. Right. And I
3: thought about this too. I thought, you know what? What if she was sincere? What if she was repentant before God? What if she was on the path even mm-hmm. to conversion and this is the way Christians are responding to her? Right. You know, that's it's not going to draw them to the love, the irresistible love and grace of Christ.
2: Yeah. And I hope you as a listener are not just thinking this is about Joy Behar This is about life in general. This is how can we glorify God when somebody wrongs us? Mm -hmm. How can we forgive them and move on, forgive them and treat them with love like Christ would? So here is one of the main problems, our
0: obstacles with forgiving somebody uh, from Piper. It became clear that one of the main obstacles, I felt it, he felt it, to actually acting this way forgiving, forbearing, returning good for evil, uh, blessing those who hurt us, is that if we do this, if we really return good for evil, not not the kind of manipulative way that hopes to really draw attention to the other person's guilt, but I'm talking about a really authentic blessing, uh, treating with kindness and hope from the heart. If we do that, very few people if anybody will know that we've been hurt. You catch
2: that?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, I it comes think
3: down we can, to
2: our pride. I
3: think we all can feel that.
2: We can feel it. Uh-oh, they're not going to know that I was hurt. Mm-hmm. If I don't make this big deal about it, then they're going to just do it again. Or, Nobody's you know, going to know that yeah. I'm a
3: martyr in my own home. Yeah,
2: I'm not going to have a pity party.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. okay, Okay, John, go ahead and continue.
0: And here's the rub. Almost everything in my sinful soul cries out against that. Mm. We we want people to know that we've been hurt. We want people to pity us or at least sympathize with us or... Um, recognize that our effort to return good for evil is a noble effort in the face of much difficulty. Good grief. If nobody knows, shoot, then what? uh, And you can see what's going on. And and perhaps uh, most of all, we want the person who has wounded us to be aware that they have wounded us.
2: Ding, ding. There's, there's this situation. Mm -hmm. We want joy. Mm -hmm. Behar, not Joy. We want Behar to know that she wounded us.
3: Yeah. That's pathetic. Yeah.
0: It's sad to be aware that they have wounded us. And we, we don't want to act in a way that looks as if they didn't hurt us. That looks as if it makes light of the fact that they wounded us or insulted us or put us down or criticized us in an inappropriate way or cheated on us or something and all of this is a huge obstacle to obeying the Lord when he says, do not return evil for evil, but bless those who do you harm. And again, there that's the pride.
3: Yeah.
2: And I, I've found lately, I keep thinking about pride and uh, how, you know, you can read books on it and all this stuff, and it's largely confusing. <laughs> you know, a lot of people say, You know, even false humility is pride. And there's Mm -hmm. just all these different nuances to the sin of pride. And it can be very confusing. But what I find it very clear is when I am put up against another human being, when I'm offended by a person or some situation has happened, and I realize the only reason I got mad Mm. (laughs) was because of my pride. Yep. If I wouldn't have thought I was such a big shot or worthy of their admiration or worthy of their servanthood <laughs> or whatever it is, um, then I wouldn't care when they disrespected me. But, sure. but
3: Well, I, I think, think it's so really good. interesting, too, how the Bible talks about becoming like little children, because I was out talking to Tylee, our nine-year-old, and I said, so what do you think? I said, are we supposed to forgive people, even when they don't apologize. And she was like, well, yeah.
0: I said, okay, (laughs)
3: but why, why do you think that? And she thought about it for a while and she said, well, because God tells us to love our enemies. And so if we're going to love them, then that means that we need to pray for them. And so we would forgive them.
2: Wow. And it was just very simple. from the mouth of a nine-year-old. Right.
3: It was just super simple to her. And I said, okay, well, where do you get that from? Like, how do you, I said, did you hear me and dad? Well, and she's, I think she expanded on it a little bit more. And it just was a lot of this, a lot of what Piper is saying. And I said, oh, did you hear what I was listening to? Or did you hear me and dad talking about this? And she said, well, no, I've just. Read my Bible, and I've listened to sermons, <laughs> and she's like, and it's just kind of like a puzzle. Once you put them all together, you just you know the right answer.
1: <laughs> but
2: and yet, so many Christians are like, I'm not forgiving that person.
3: Exactly, and I think that that childlike faith, she doesn't know the full feeling of having her pride offended, or mm. she hasn't developed these senses of you know, this justice has to be taken care of and this is my right. Mm -hmm. She's just been taught and she's Mm -hmm. read in her Bible and listened to sermons that (laughs) this is how the world should work. So I just thought that was really neat. The innocence of it without all the hardening of the world of Mm -hmm. having to forgive 70 times seven for a lifetime. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, you nailed one thing too in talking about my rights. Mm -hmm. This is my right. We're born with these, you know, rights that we've just, developed. Yeah, the
3: entitlement. Yeah, entitlement.
2: And so when we get offended, we think it's our right to not be offended. And also it's, you know, just goes right back to the pride issue. And that's exactly what I love about Piper is he never leaves it at this. So many Bible teachers, Christians, pastors, whatever, would have just left it at what we just heard.
3: And it still would have been good. And it
2: would have been good. Mm -hmm. Love your enemies. You know, do good to those who hurt you and persecute you. And
0: that's where he would have left it. But not Piper. Here's the key that proved so convicting to me. The key is how important and how satisfying to us is the fact that God knows we've been hurt. That God understands and God attends to us. God feels with us. He is a merciful high priest. Is that enough? What this showed me was how deeply my heart tends to be oriented on other people more than it's oriented on God. Our great need, my great need, is that God be more real to me than other people are. Amen. Mm, it's about so God. Good.
3: It is. It's
2: not about us. Yep. This is about His glory, and l- like you said, how is Joy Behar gonna look and be like, "What a great God they serve"? Yeah. No, that's not what's gonna come into her mind. Mm-hmm. Wow, look at this bunch of whining babies.
3: Well, we don't look anything like the any any different than the world. Yeah. Like if we're responding the same way the world responds when we're offended then there's no difference mm-hmm. but i think it's good too how he talks about you know it's all about god and it it is it's about trusting him to be the final judge, not us, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's about trusting him that he does see and that his ways are better than our ways. We think, oh no, well, me being mad, me sulking all day, that's really going to teach the lesson to that other person.
2: That's going to make her feel bad.
3: Right. And that's just foolish. Like you can say it out loud and it's foolish, but really that's what you're doing, (laughs) Yeah, you know?
2: Exactly. And I
3: think too- can stomp my feet
2: three times and you'll feel better. Yes,
1: yes.
3: (laughs) And I think a lot of times I've heard- I know myself and other wives that, you know, I don't know on the men's side of it, but there's that desire to be the Holy Spirit for that person. Like, well, they need to know that what they did was wrong. Yeah. And I remember—
2: So I'm going to convict them of sin. Yes.
3: Yeah. So that's (laughs) going to be my job. And I just remembered a long time ago just beginning to pray like, okay, God, like if this isn't something you're working on in him, I guess I'm not either, you know? And just Mm. trusting God to do the sanctification and trusting the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. to work in somebody else's life— Rather than thinking, you know, oh, now's the time to deal with this issue. We need to deal with this. And I'm going to deal with this by being mad,
1: (laughs) you know.
2: You know, I'm going to play a clip of Piper. He's wrapping this up and he's kind of saying the same thing he just said. And I just want you to think about this and just process this in your mind and in your heart. You know, this is a heart issue. And that's what we always want to be dealing with. We don't want to be dealing with surface behavior, you know. If you forgive in this way, then you are in the good. That's all. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not what we want to deal with. We want to deal with your heart. Where is your heart before God? Is it humble and contrite and in love with God and then therefore in love with people and loving them rightly? Or are you just going to try to check off a box and inside you're bitter and angry at that person for doing you wrong? Yeah. You know, and you want them to know it and you want the world to know it and you want a pity party. um, And then you want to check that box that says, hey, I forgave them. So I'm fine. Mm-hmm. You know, it's their problem now. OK, that's that's nothing like what Christ would do. That's not what he's called us to do. as Christians. It's not
3: what Christ did.
2: That's not what Christ did. Yeah, he went to the cross.
0: This is Piper wrapping that up. He sees that we are obeying him. He sees that we're loving our adversary. And 1 Peter 2.19 says, this is a gracious thing with God when we suffer unjustly and return good for evil. God delights in it. We're pleasing God at that moment. And, and the key passage that I think we have to come to terms with is 1 Peter 2.23. When Jesus was reviled, He did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued and trusting himself, his cause, to him who judges justly. And So my question for me and for my friend, for anybody who finds himself like us, is it enough for God to know our sorrow, for God to know our pain, for God to know our disappointment, our frustration. Can we hand our cause entirely over to God? Can we move forward treating others better than they treat us, even if it means only God knows and nobody else? that That's how real God has to become to us.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: I love that he says... Jesus continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Yeah. Because that's what it's about. Entrusting God to judge justly.
2: Entrusting yourself, entrusting the situation to God and not trying to take it up on your own.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. It comes down to being a witness. And I just can't stress this enough. Does that person that you are let's just use the word at enmity with. Are they seeing Christ in you? Will they look back on the situation and be like, "Wow, that person handled that with grace and love." Mm-hmm. And and even though I was mad, they were so loving to me time and again after I did this and this and this.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Or did or is it or are you just being bitter and mad? Wanting to stomp your feet and draw attention to yourself and letting everyone know
3: that you are hurt, yeah, and I think even if even there's a middle ground there where you might not be stomping your feet anymore, you might not be throwing that fit, but you're disengaging, you're not continuing to show love, you're not continuing mm-hmm. you know seeking what's best for that person or trying to bless them or praying for them. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes people say, "Oh no, that's fine, I forgive them, and they move on but yet they're not really loving them the way Christ calls us to love those people mm-hmm. and they're just
2: ignoring them. <laughs> <or> yeah. <something. laughs> yeah.
3: And then handling the situation in their own way, Yeah, you know, taking control of that situation and saying, well, I'm going to do it this way rather than trusting God to handle it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent. Well, let's shift gears.
3: Alrighty. Um, Piper handled that all. Piper. We can, yep. he covered it. Check that box. It.
2: <laughs> took it to the house. <laughs> Uh, this is the quote of the day.
1: Worldliness is whatever makes sin look normal and righteousness look strange.
2: That's Kevin DeYoung. Mm-hmm. I think this is good. I, the reason I picked these or, you know, you've picked a couple too, is just we want to emphasize what it looks like to glorify God. And what it looks like to glorify the world.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And this quote is kind of a little bit of a a test in how you're doing that. You know, does the world look strange or does the world look enticing? Does righteousness look strange or does righteousness look good? Um, When the more righteous you are, the more you are going to stand out like a sore thumb in the world. And, you know, they're not always going to hate you. But they are going to be wondering what on earth is going on with that dude. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Why
2: is he so weird? He looks so strange. But anyway, yeah, but if you join in with them, you ain't going to look strange. You're going to look normal. Maybe that's, you know, hopefully I look, I was going to say, maybe that's why I look strange. But then again, that's like arrogant being like on this podcast, like okay. you look strange. Oh, thanks. thanks. <laughs> I look like Jesus. <laughs> and you're so humble. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I think it's your beard. That looks
2: oh. strange. Yeah. <laughs> All <laughs> no. right. It's time for our commercial break.
0: Into the deepest jungles went Pressman Toymaker's looking for something new. The secret they brought back for you is incredible. The Pressman Witch Doctor Head Shrinkers Kit. Plastic flesh, mixing cauldron, and petrifying potion. Just pour it into the mold and in minutes you can add monster hair kit included or make up your own decorations in 24 hours the heads shrink shrink down now shrunken heads for all occasions collect them swap them give them to your witch doctor friends you can always cook up more with pressman's witch doctor head shrinkers kit
2: (laughs) that's a real commercial (laughs) that's that's real from like the 50s or whatever
3: needs yeah
2: and you should see the commercial itself on Uh, youtube it's it's very graphic too like you're just going to let your play your kid play with this satanic voodoo kit? That's crazy. <laughs> I mean, think about where that comes from like in the tribes they would mm-hmm. cut people's heads off.
3: Yeah. And then shrink the head. It's like a morbid version of Shrinky Dinks. That's <laughs> That's terrible.
2: Yeah. It is, I guess some people just don't see the connection. They don't make the connection to how crazy that is. Oh my goodness. Like you're really actually playing with a satanic kit here. <laughs> Voodoo. Oh. Uh,
3: our parents were worried about Smurfs.
2: Yeah, exactly. And my <laughs> Ninja Turtles. Because <laughs> I was gonna be all, you know, karateing oh no. and everyone. Uh yeah, I couldn't watch Smurfs either because of the magic in it. And now people are letting their kids watch what is like zombie high. Mm -hmm. Or what is that thing? I don't know where they're just monster high. Yeah. Where they're all like zombies and dead walking dead. Oh yeah. It's fine. My five-year-old can watch that. No problem. All right. Music and movies.
3: Music and movies.
2: I just wanted to get this song out there because I just like this guy and I like, uh, bringing us stuff that's unique just like you do we Mm -hmm. like music that's not always on the radio it's a little bit different Mm -hmm. alternative
3: might not be positive and encouraging it might fall into a different category (laughs) (laughs) branching out
2: and uh, i just love this guy's voice it is so good yeah it is johnny cash and he has
3: a beard
2: and he has a beard (laughs) he didn't always you should see his earlier stuff it's like very hippie okay yeah like in in the woods with like flowers and i'm not endorsing the guy's personal life i have no idea who he is and we're actually going to talk about that later on the show aren't we Mm
1: -hmm. yeah we are
2: i have no idea who this guy is fyi (laughs) (laughs) i just love this song and so i want to bring you guys the song and uh it's a way to worship god he's actually uh let's how would i say his name Mm -hmm. john mark mcmillan right John Mark That's McMillan. Uh he's the one that wrote How He Loves Me back in the day in 2005. It was
3: not David Crowder. It was FYI. not David Crowder. He didn't write that song.
2: And I just find it interesting for some reason how many people hate this song. Yeah. And I you said you didn't like it.
3: It's I think I'm just it's been around and it's been so overdone by so many people. Yeah. And I will admit the the thing I've heard other people don't like that David Crowder changed was the sloppy wet kiss part, and yeah. I it just not knowing anything behind yeah. it at the time. It was like, oh, I don't. What? Why are we talking about this? Why are yeah. you? Because they you have think this in Jesus
2: is giving you a sloppy wet kiss. Yeah,
3: and that's just a weird image.
2: Yeah, and it's not. That's not what he wrote at all. Yeah. Kind. Well, wasn't
3: it of supposed issue? to be more like showing the awkwardness of the mess? Sure, yeah. Of sinners meeting a savior. He has a
2: YouTube video explaining why he wrote it. And
3: it makes a lot more sense. Yeah, it
2: makes a lot more sense. And he wrote the song after someone who apparently um, was killed in a car accident. Um, One of his friends was in a church staff meeting, prayed out loud, if it would shake the youth of a nation, I will give my life today. And then that same night, his friend was killed in a car accident. And I I find that interesting. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't hate the song because I'm an artist, and I think I can understand it. I understand why they wrote it, and I understand the the deeper meaning behind it and
3: It's a bit more poetic, maybe that's why people don't like it too. yep,
2: it's very poetic, and I think people have a hard time with poetic, mm-hmm. but it's very biblical, that's
3: like the psalms, yeah, the
2: psalms are very poetic and they're very uh emotional, and they're mm-hmm. written this way, and I just find it kind of odd that so many christians are against emotional songs or emotion in songs
3: and i think too where this song might line up too is i've heard a lot of people being against songs that are about god's love for us like lovey songs well that is in the bible yeah god does talk much about loving us Mm -hmm. and his affections for us
2: yeah and again it comes back to the whole false convert situation that i've been talking about about christian music is you can just simply listen to that song if you were to only have a diet of songs that talked about how much god loved you yeah you would be unbalanced
3: yeah that's and that not would be, be wrong and that's mm-hmm. not good anyway right uh so so at the foundation of proper theology these songs are just yeah they're they they're serve good. the purpose they're meant to
2: yeah yeah and just and same with the song that we're gonna play it's called heart won't stop And again, you could take this song and say, oh, it's just repeating the same thing. Well, have you ever looked up how many times the Psalms say his love
3: endures forever? (laughs) Yeah, his love endures
2: forever. Forever. God is great. You know, Mm -hmm. something it's just David repeats it like 10 times. And then they whine if somebody repeats a verse twice. I can't believe we're listening to the same thing again. Anyway, this is the song. I, I hope you enjoy it. I do.
1: There is not a man or a beast, nothing on the land or underneath, oh, nothing that could ever come between the love you have. escape you your heart won't stop coming after me your heart won't stop coming after me your heart won't stop coming after coming
2: after me in a little preparation for this I looked up some of the verses that that's written out of and one of them is psalm one thirty nine eight. if i ascend to heaven you are there if i make my bed in sheol you are there god's everywhere that's cool mhm uh romans 8:31 and 39, through 39 we all know that one right for nothing can keep us from the love of christ uh so that's basically what he's saying through this song is it doesn't matter what it is it's mm-hmm. nothing is going to keep god from coming after us and pursuing us and
1: yeah
3: um, and i think loving us our church we just started hosea and i mean that book is so clear about god's he's saying you know god's zealous love for us he keeps Mm -hmm. they keep rebelling and he comes after them and he pursues them and yeah you know he cuts them off and then restores them (laughs) so (laughs) yeah it's 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 neat
2: I like that, we're going to end with that a little longer clip of that song. My Just, favorite part is yeah, in that part, Miranda so stick ways. around. So that leads us into talking about our article, which is titled Is Christian Radio of the Devil? It's found on desiringgod.org. It'll also be found on our website. A link there. We're in question three Am I experiencing the illusion of intimacy? So basically, the author is going through and asking some certain questions about christian media whether it be a podcast or radio or a sermon that you're listening to and he's asking some certain questions about it you know he doesn't make the claim it's from the devil here's it's more of just a provocative title but here's the thing is you can ask yourself you know is the devil using something Mm -hmm. It, It might be Christian music. It might be Christian media in your life to separate you. And I am seeing this all over. The more I look, the more I'm seeing it. People are being deceived. They're saying, God is calling me out of the church. You know, they're listening to all these sermons and they feel just fine staying at home, listening to sermons in their own couch, in their underwear. And it's going completely against the Bible. That's not in the Bible. It's, there's nowhere that it's like, hey, just go off on your on your own and you're fine. Right. No, it says, be together, fellowship with one another. How are you going to practice your spiritual gifts with the body of Christ if you don't go and join up with the body of Christ? Right. So this, yeah. this question, so he's asking these questions of it, and you need to ask these questions of yourself and how you're using the media as well. Am I experiencing the illusion of intimacy? In other words, do you think that you are joining the larger body of Christ when you're doing these things, when you're participating.
3: And this builds on the question that we had on the last uh, episode, that it was just the two of us, not the one with Stephen. But when we were talking about this question, because he says, we need to know who we're hearing from and have accountability to those leaders and those shepherds. But now this is saying, but we also need to know the people around us and the people in community Mm -hmm. around us. And we need to be accountable and discipled by them as well.
2: Yeah. And share our gifts with them, worship with them. Uh, This is a quote from it, from the article. Might it be that Christian radio cultivates a false sense of community because it doesn't promote intimate relationships between their listeners? When you worship God, this is outside of the quote, when you worship God, you are developing a relationship with those people around you. You're worshiping with them. I mean, when w- have you ever prayed with somebody? Yeah. You know, it it creates an intimacy with that person yeah, it does. and God. And you start to know each other's heart, especially the more and more you do it. The more you get to see that person, uh, you know, you can't fake worship when you're sitting in an audience. Yeah. I see it because I'm a worship leader. You know, people are just standing there with their coffee, mm, mouthing the words, watermelon, watermelon, watermelon. No, it, you know, we can all see that. Everyone around you can see if you are passionate about something, with if you're excited about something, if you're um, emotional about something, if it's really touching you, that will be displayed in how you act and how you live.
3: And that's part of the accountability. Yeah. And I think another point he makes is that we don't know the speakers behind you know, podcasts or the writers that behind blogs, the musicians. Like we just said, we don't know John Mark McMillan. Like we don't, yeah. and we know that. But also as listeners, it isolates us from each other. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole bunch of people out there that are singing John Mark McMillan's songs. We don't know them. You mm-hmm. know, We might run into someone and be like, oh, yeah, hey, awesome. We yeah. all really like him. But that doesn't build intimacy or accountability mm-hmm. that helps us in our walk with Christ the way it does worshiping on Sunday alongside somebody who maybe loves a song that we don't really love, but together we're there and we're worshiping God. And then that's going to build a relationship and that, you know, bond of community with those other believers.
2: Mm -hmm. And it's a picture of heaven.
3: Yeah, that's true.
2: Um, We're going to be together, by the way, guys, we're not going to have headphones on living, you know, in our separate little mansions rocking out to some worship tune. I'm going to finish that quote I had. Pandora and Spotify use individualism as part of their business plan. Your music is delivered to you individually. And then he goes on, I suspect that Christian radio and other genres of media typically end up isolating us from each other. They deliver the ingredients of worship so that we worship or are entertained alone. And although there's no biblical injunction against private worship, the tendency of Christian radio is to privatize worship.
1: Mm
3: -hmm. And I do like how, you know, he says there's no biblical injunction against private worship because as a mom of little kids, I like to be a part of the service, but I feel like there's a more focused way I can worship at home by myself Mm -hmm. when I'm not wrestling kids and yeah. You know, there aren't all these distractions, but that doesn't mean that there isn't something good happening with my community, with my congregation while I'm there.
2: Yeah. Even
3: if I don't feel like I can connect with God on as strong of a level. Yeah, well, it
2: doesn't replace
3: the worship
2: that you have in community, in Mm -hmm. the church.
3: Yeah, it's like Um, a supplement.
2: Yeah, exactly. You know, like reading your Bible alone.
3: Mm -hmm. That's
2: great. But the minute you start to say, all I ever need is the Bible alone and sit in my bedroom. Now you have separated yourself from the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And let me just say that if I started to list verses about the body of Christ, we'd be here all day. Right. You know, um, it's not a little subject in the Bible. Right. God it's not some this... side thing. And I've taught ecclesiology in Africa and I I'm very passionate about it. I love it. It's very important to me because I think it's a very central Uh, message in the new testament is we are the church we need to be the church come together as the church worship as the church use our gifts in and among the church because we represent the body of christ
3: Mm -hmm. And and i think too we miss out on some of the diversity when we isolate ourselves that way and when we individualize everything because we don't get to share in the things that other people love. Like even when we were in Tanzania, worshiping with African believers, their style of music is different. Their style of worship is different. Their worship services, their their language is different. Yeah. But (laughs) as you're there, the longer you're there and the more you interact with each other, you start to see the beauty in what they're doing and they start Mm -hmm. to see the beauty in what you're doing because you can't get that from just one time. You have to learn the nuances of it and learn what there really is to appreciate about it as you, as time goes on. So
2: the first time you sit through an African worship service, you will be absolutely excited. You will love it. It will be so, so lively. Yeah. Energetic and fun. And you think everybody's worshiping God and you don't know the language and it's exotic and the beats are going and it's great. Like the third, fourth, fifth, through 10th through 20th time you sit through one a three
3: hour service.
2: It gets increasingly harder and harder, but then like you said, you get past that point and you start to worship with them. You start mm-hmm. to learn how to worship God together um, in a different language and it becomes amazing and beautiful again. So yeah, we have to work at developing that and developing our abilities Uh, Yeah. So if we hunger for human connection, Christian radio and podcasts are not that connection. So could it be that they feed in us a desire for independence, preference, privatization, and even isolation? That's already something people are prone to. We're prone to Mm -hmm. isolate ourselves. We're prone to privatize our lives and desire our own privacy and And so when you go and you cultivate that, you know, you are feeding yourself. You're feeding your desires.
3: Uh, Yeah. And I was even thinking as you're facing an issue and you want a biblical answer to it or you want to hear this song or that, you know, it seems to be the epitome of scratching those itchy ears. Yeah. And just keeping up
2: for yourself, teachers that teach you what you want to hear or sing what you want to be sung (laughs)
3: Yeah. Yeah. I just want to hear that God loves me and he is blessing me. So that's all I'm going to listen to. Mm -hmm.
2: And it hurts when you're looking for a church. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've seen this face to face several times when our friends or somebody comes and they're looking for churches and to watch them go back and forth. Oh, well, you know, he likes the worship at this place and I like it at this place. And I, I really find this more of a priority and he finds this more of a priority It just becomes a mess because they're they're so used to listening to their Christian media. You know, you're not gonna get John Piper at your church unless he's the actual pastor at your church. You know, she's
3: not a pastor anymore, so you're not.
2: (laughs) So when you're comparing your local pastor to that, it's going to be incredibly difficult. God didn't call you to find that perfect church Mm -hmm. at all. And don't make it about your preferences. Don't make it about you know. Please, if They're preaching heresy. You don't want to plant there.
3: There's some guidelines. And I think it makes me think of like kids and picky eating. Yeah. You know, when you feed your kids and let them eat only SpaghettiOs and mac and cheese because that's what they like. And then Mm -hmm. you go to somebody else's house. They don't want to eat that. They're going to have a bad attitude. They're going to reject food that's good for their bodies and nourishment. but. It's because they've been so used to just individualizing what they want for themselves that they Mm -hmm. think is best and not having a more wholesome, full diet. Mm
2: -hmm. So, Christian, I hope you're seeing the lesson here. Uh, Feed yourself what's good and righteous and right. Um, Even though it's hard, people are messy.
3: And eat your broccoli because it's good for you, (laughs) even if you don't like it. Because there yep. are things churches are going to have that are good for your sanctification yep. that you might not that like.
2: Force you to grow in. Mm-hmm.
3: And it's not a reason to leave.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So go out there, share the gospel. And until next time, ascribe God his glory and declare his marvelous works.